How many of you ever been to school before? You, you, you know what 101 means? You know the, the, the beginnings, the basics, the elementaries or something? Say, so why is he talking about 101? Well, I just want to make sure y'all know what I'm talking about. Love 101. And what we're going, what, what I believe that uh, uh, we want to accomplish today uh, in, in the presence of the Lord and in this place today is, is to, to get an overview of love. For, for, for some of you, it's a refresher. For some of you, it's an education. But for all of us, it's necessary. And uh, uh, it's, one, one thing I'll say is this, is that you, you can't talk about love without talking about the origin of love. How did love originate to begin with? And what is love? Is love this, you know, ooey-gooey feeling that I have? Is is love an emotional thing? Is it a uh, uh, a mental thing? What is it? But I want you to know, first of all, the love is a person. Hallelujah. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 that God is love. And uh, so I want to go ahead and, and start, start there as we're uh, digging into the subject of Love 101 today. The origin of love. The origin of love. Well, where did love get started to begin with? Well, first of all, we need to realize that God is love. But uh, in, in relation to us, in relation to uh, us as believers, as, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, uh, how does that love uh, get into our lives? Uh, uh, well, we know that God is love, and we know that God loves, but, but how does that end up in our hearts? How, how does that start with us? John chapter 13, I want to go there first, and uh, 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 we want to take a look at something very pivotal that Jesus said. John 13, verse 34, he said, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, as I have loved you that you also love one another. And uh, it's interesting uh, that, that Jesus would make the statement and, and, and use that terminology, a new commandment. Because these people that he was talking to, his disciples, they were already used to commandments. They were already used to uh, what we commonly refer to as the Ten Commandments. Well, we uh, also understand that, that besides the Ten, there were other commandments that had to do with how things needed to be done. Uh, uh, a, a certain uh, uh, ritualistic things regarding the, uh, the, the worship of the, uh, of the temple and so on. Uh, but, but Jesus said a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And, and I want you to realize this, that the Bible says that this love is the fulfilling of the law. That when Jesus brought into uh, being the law of love, the, the new covenant commandment of love, what he was doing is he was summing up all the other commandments, uh, right in this one. Regarding the ten, he said, uh, uh, if, you, if you love, you won't steal. If you love, you won't kill. If you, uh, uh, if you love, you won't uh, uh, dishonor your parents. If you love, you won't cheat on your wife. Uh, if you love, the Bible says love is the fulfilling of the law. And we also see this in John 17 that the scripture says uh, uh, Jesus in his great prayer that he prayed for his followers there, he prayed that the love with which the Father had loved him 
would be in them. That's what he prayed for his followers. We are his followers. He prayed that for us, that the love wherewith he was loved by the Father would be in us. So I want you to realize this, that the love that, uh, the love that Jesus loves with you have, and the love that Jesus was loved with by the Father, we also have. That's a pretty heavy thought because we, we, uh, you, you know, I, there's that mindset that always says, yeah, but that was Jesus. You know, when, when it comes to talking about us doing something that Jesus did, being something that Jesus was, there's always that little something in the back of people's mind that says, yeah, but that was Jesus. Well, I want you to know that in you is this very same kind of love. The, the, the ability to love in the same way as the Father himself loved Jesus and in the same way that Jesus himself loved. Hallelujah. And that the Holy Spirit who enters our spirit at the new birth imparts the love of God to our spirit. Come on, somebody. The Holy Spirit who enters our spirit at the new birth imparts the love of God to our spirit. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says this, that now hope does not disappoint, but because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who was given to us. And also, uh, uh, along with that, we realize 1 John 3.14 says that we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers. And, and, and so think about this, that, that when you were saved, that, that at that moment, that the Holy Spirit poured out the love of God into your heart so that now as a born again believer, you have the ability to be able to love as the father loved Jesus and to love as Jesus loves. Not too good to be true. It is the truth. Hallelujah. You know, the, the Bible teaches us that, uh, uh, you know, Galatians 5.22 says that the fruit of the Spirit is love and then goes on from there. But, but the idea of the fruit of the Spirit being love is this, that, 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 that when the Holy Spirit comes into your spirit, then your spirit starts bearing fruit. And the number one fruit of the list is love. Hallelujah. When you get impacted by what the Holy Spirit brings and, and sheds abroad in your heart, you start loving. The Bible says in Colossians 1, uh, uh, Paul talked about how Epaphras declared to him the people's love in the Spirit. Love in the Spirit. Come on now. The Bible says in Romans 15.30 that uh, Paul was talking to the Romans church, uh, the, the, the church of the Romans and said that through the love of the Spirit that you're striving together with me in prayers to God for me. So we see the connection between the Holy Spirit and love. So when the Holy Spirit comes and moves inside of you at the moment that you become a born again believer, he's bringing the love of God in there with him. So therefore, at that moment, that love is in you. You have that love. You have the ability. You have the capability to love as God loves. 
whether you do or not is another thing, but the ability and the capability to do it is there because he does not shed abroad some other kind of love. He sheds abroad in your heart the very same love that caused God to so love the world that he gave his only begotten son. The very same kind of love that would cause Jesus to willingly give his life is the same kind of love that you and I as believers have the ability to love with. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy 1.7. You want to know what the Lord gave you? Let me tell you what he gave you. He did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So you, you, you got to realize this. You got a spirit of love. You got a spirit of love. And to realize that, that anything that is contrary to love, that's not who you are. I, and I, I think that we just need to get to the point that, that, that we say, God's way is my way. The way God does it, the way I do it. Uh, his character is my character. Because I have been, uh, as a born-again believer, I'm a partaker of the divine nature, which means the same love that's in him is the same love that's in me. The same way he loves is the same way that I love. The priority of love, that, that's the origin of love. But the priority of love, 1 Corinthians 13 and 13 says, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. When the Bible says something's the greatest, my goodness, we got to pay attention to that. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16, 14, Let all that you do be done with love. In Colossians 3.14, it says, But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. 1 Corinthians 14, the verse starts by saying, Pursue love. Pursue love. 2 Timothy 2.22 states the same thing. Pursue love. And then 1 Peter 4 and verse 8 says this, And above all things... We're talking about the priority of love. I would say when you hear the words above all, that's put it pretty high on the priority list. Would you agree with that? And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. So we see love being the greatest. We see that, that all you do be done with love and that you love above all things. That other things are important and other things are, are vital, but there's nothing that is more important that takes a bigger place and a bigger priority than walking in love. And you might say, well, what about walking by faith? Because the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. And you're absolutely right, but the Bible also says in Galatians 5, 6, that faith works through love. Which means if you don't have your love going, you don't have your faith going either. And the Bible also brings that across over in 1 Peter 3, where it's talking to husbands and wives and talks to husbands specifically regarding uh, uh, the, the fact that they are heirs together with their wife and that they should dwell with their wives according to knowledge. Not according to ignorance, but according to knowledge. Come on, man. Hey, I feel the anointing right there. According to knowledge. Now, if we realize that, then uh, 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 the, the, the rest of that verse, which is First Peter 3, 7, it says that if we do this, 
uh, we're doing it for a reason so that our prayers would not be hindered. Which means that if you are not uh, operating together with your wife according to knowledge and, and, and as her being an heir together with you of the grace of life, then you are clogging the pipes. If you're not loving your wife the way you ought to, you can clog the pipes of your prayers working because faith works through love. Hallelujah. Let's talk about the quality of love. Now, you know this is top quality because you can't get more top quality than the way God does something. You can't get any more top quality than uh, love one another as I, Jesus, has loved you. As a matter of fact, Ephesians 5, a little bit more for husbands and wives. Uh, Ephesians 5, 25 tells husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So we see the quality of love that, that, that we're to be loving with is not some kind of cheap thing. I mean, it, there's no more infinite high quality of love than this kind of love we're talking about. I mean, this is the creme de la creme of love. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is top quality. This is the real stuff. Not cubic zirconia now. Hey. <laughs> This is the real bling that I'm talking about, the real love. And that's the kind of quality of love. Let's take a look at this quality of love. Let, let, let's examine this a little bit further. John 13, 1. You see something very, very fascinating about the kind of love that Jesus loved with. Now, before the feast of the Passover, this is John 13, 1. Before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I love that. He loved them to the end. Other translations bring this out, that he loved them to the uttermost, that he loved them to the highest degree. I believe there's another translation that actually says he loved them to the limit. I mean, you just love to, you can't love anymore. I mean, it is... In love to infinity and beyond somebody. Hallelujah. And now uh, we're realizing that this is the kind of quality of love that Jesus loves with. And don't forget, it's not one love for him and another love for us. That same quality of love is inside of us. You know, Romans 12, uh, 9, the very first part of that verse says... Let love be without hypocrisy. Woo! So not, not only are we loving to the uttermost, to the highest degree, loving to the limit, but as we get into this idea of the quality of love, we see that the Bible says to love without hypocrisy. What is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is a stage actor. A hypocrite is a stage actor. You know, the Bible talks about putting on love. And that's a true statement. You, you know, you can put on love without being a put on. Anybody know what I mean by that? You can put on love without putting on an act. As a matter of fact, you need to put on love like you put on a coat, not put on love like you put on a show. Put on love like you put on a coat, not put on love like you put on a show. What do I mean by that? It's very simply this. You have a coat in your possession. It's yours. You put it on. 
That is the love that you have. You're not being something that you're not. You're not wearing something that you're not. That is yours to wear. It is given to you by the Holy Spirit at the moment of the new birth. That is who you really are. Now, the idea of putting on love as a show is when you go ahead and want to go ahead and be one way in front of somebody when they're right there in front of your face. Lord have mercy. But then when they are no longer in your face, then it's a different story. It's a different song and it's a different dance. But the Bible says, let love be without hypocrisy. In other words, uh, the new living of that says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. I mean, I just love that. Don't just pretend. Really do it. The Amplified, well, I, well there's a new Amplified now, so I guess we got to call that the Amplified Classic Edition. says, let your love be sincere. A real thing. Someone say a real thing. Someone say ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. When you love, you got to love with the real thing. I mean, we're not loving uh, in, in a way of uh, uh, putting on something that somebody can see when it's a different story when they're gone. No, when you love without hypocrisy, when you love without putting on the act, it's the same way when they're there and it's the same way when they're gone. Sometimes you say hallelujah, thank the Lord when they're gone, but the love's still the same. Oh. You know, the, the Bible talks in several places about sincere love over in 2 Corinthians 6, 6, 2 Corinthians 8, 8. And also uh, another verse I want to share with you about out of the uh, Amplified Classic Editions, 1 Timothy 1, 5. And uh, you can put that up there. It says, whereas the object and purpose of our instruction and charge is love, which springs from a pure heart and a good, clear conscience and sincere, unfeigned faith. What should be the quality of the love that we're loving with? Something that's coming out of a pure heart. Something that's coming out of a good, clear conscience. Which means if you don't want to, you say, Lord, help me want to. And if you don't want to, want to, you say, Lord, help me to want to, want to. You know what I mean by that? So sometimes the problem is not just that we don't want to, but we don't want to, want to either. And I'll tell you, you know, uh, when we really plug into to what we have inside of us and, and the fact that God has not just given us his love for it to sit there. God has given us his love so we can walk in it and operate in it so we can love one another, as Peter said, fervently and with a pure heart. How vital it is. And talk about the quality of this love. You can't beat this kind of quality. 1 Corinthians 13.8 says, love never fails. Now, you know you're dealing with the finest quality of stuff when you're dealing with something that does not fail. I want you to know today that God's love is of such quality that when it's truly walked in and when it's truly practiced, it has a 0% failure rate. I want you to know, I'm saying it again, that God's love is of such quality that when it is truly walked in and practiced, it has a 0% failure rate. And I, I want to encourage you today because some of you say, love never fails. Oh, really? But I want you to realize this, that if someone else 
does not receive the benefit of the love you're giving to them, that you can still receive the benefit of giving love. Oh, come on, somebody. I want that to sink into your heart today. That if someone else does not receive the benefit of the love you're giving to them, that you can still receive the benefit of giving love. Hallelujah. Love absolutely, positively never fails. There's never a time where love was not the option to take. There's never a time where, oh, I should have done something else besides love. No, love's always the way to go. It's always the right answer. And it never, ever fails. Now, besides quality, can I also talk to you about the quantity of love? Whew. How many of you heard those terms side by side, quality and quantity? And most of the time in the context that quality is better than quantity, but when it comes to love, God wants you to have both. He wants you to have quality and quantity. Quantity because this is something you can grow in. Paul prayed for the church of the Thessalonians that they would increase and abound in love to one another and all. That means you can get to a place where you are increasing this more than you are today. You can grow in this thing. Philippians 1.9 says, In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Woo! You can grow in this. You can abound in this. You can abound more and more in this. And here's a little side note for you. This right here talks about that your love may abound uh, in knowledge and all discernment. I want you to know that it is not an accident that the scripture would put love and knowledge and discernment into the same sentence. Because when it comes to your love walk, you do need knowledge and discernment. You know what? You need to know when to be tough and when to be tender. You need to know when to keep on investing in somebody and when to draw back and pull back. You know, you can pull back and still be in love. You can pull back and still be walking in love. Because the thing is, is that the knowledge and the discernment comes into what does this person need at the moment? What is loving them right now? Sometimes loving them is a hug. Sometimes loving them is a kick in the booty. How do you know the difference between the two? You know the difference between the two because you're walking in love and abounding not just in the love, but in the knowledge and the discernment for the right way to apply the love, the, the right presentation of the love, the tender and the tough, the, the keep on pressing in and keep on investing, or I'm going to go ahead and pull back because I've invested enough and I'm going to wait and see what you do with what I've invested in you. And they're both manifestations of love. The quantity of love. The Bible talks about uh, 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 abundantly loving. Second Thessalonians 1 verse 3 says this, We're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. Abound being connected to the word abundance, just in case you didn't realize that. That means you got an abundance of love for each other. 
and not just a quantity of love, but but even the quantity of people, the, the, the people in, in your sphere that that love can be poured out on. Let, let me read a, a few things to you real quick. The scripture talks about uh, uh, the, the church, at the Colossians having love for all the saints. The Bible talks about uh, Philemon, how Paul had heard of his love and faith which he had towards the Lord Jesus and, and also the love that he had toward all the saints. So when you're talking about the quantity of love, you're not just talking about something that's increasing and growing, but you're talking about the capacity of it as well. That I got enough love for all the saints. I got enough love for everybody I come in contact with, for everybody I need. You can't get to the point where if you're dealing with human love and if you're trying to do this on your own, you say, I don't have anything else left to give. But when you're operating in the love of God, you're dealing with a well that don't run dry, somebody. You're dealing with something where it's always there. You can always pull on it. There's never a time where the love of God runs out. When you're trying to do it with human love, you can hit a dead end. That can run out. That can run dry on you. But the love of God does not run out. It is infinite in quality and in quantity. Woo! As we go on, let's talk about some of the varying manifestations of love. Some of the ways that it shows up. Let's talk about the tenderness of love, the tender side of love. This is 1 Thessalonians 2. This is verse 7 and 8. Paul said, but we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Verse 8. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. So here we see the tender side of love that Paul described himself as a nursing mother cherishing her children and affectionately longing for them. We know 1 Corinthians 13, such a beautiful description of love, where it says that love suffers long and is kind. Uh, many times we suffer long, but we're not kind while we're suffering long. But, but when we're walking in the, the tenderness of love, the tender side of love, you can suffer long and still be kind, even in the midst of some suffering. Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Someone say tenderhearted. tenderhearted. You know, Colossians Paul says that those who are elect of God should put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. So we see, once again, this idea of the, the tender side of love. 1 Peter 3.8 talks about having compassion for one another and being tender-hearted and being courteous. Courteous. Come on now. Sometimes when working on your love walk, you, you really just get down to the ABCs. Please, thank you, may I? And you know where the most important place to practice that is in your own house. Because you'd be amazed at how many times a perfect stranger would get better treatment than a member of your own house. 
Somebody else gets the door held for them, but a member of the house doesn't get the house, the, the, the door held for them. And so when it comes to the idea of being courteous, that's a part of love, and that's a part of love that should be first practiced at home and practice everywhere else as well. But if you're doing it everywhere else and you're not doing it at home, you missing the boat, somebody. Come on. The Bible also says in Ephesians 4, 2, check this out. This is the New Living Translation. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Wow. Wow. And the, the idea of making allowance for each other's faults is also brought out in Colossians 3.13 in the New Living Translation. But what, what's this idea of making allowance for? What does that mean? It means, literally, if you, if, if you were to look up the term make allowance for, it, it says, take into consideration when planning. Take into consideration when planning. So if you're planning something with people, you, you can be sure of this, that People have faults. The people you're going to be dealing with have faults. The people they're going to be dealing with has faults too. That means the person in the mirror, that means you. Yes, I said it. You have faults. Don't be surprised. That's not a hidden revelation. I think you know that. Praise the Lord. Hey. So, so the, the idea of making allowance for each other's faults means I know I'm not perfect and I know you're not perfect. So when we get into this and find out that we're not, we can't be shocked and surprised and say, oh my God, you're not perfect. No, 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 no. No, as a matter of fact, we need to go in knowing that. And when we do go in, to go ahead and make a decision that, you know what, I know that I've got my faults and I know you've got your faults, but we can still go ahead and work together and get something done for the Lord together and see good things done in our lives, in the lives of our children, the lives of our family, the lives of people on the job, the lives of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. And also realize this, that you can make allowances for someone's faults. And yet at the same time, not compromise. See, this is not one or the other. If if I go to making allowance for people's faults, then I'm compromising. No, you can do that and still not compromise. Because the standard is still the standard. Right is still right. Wrong is still wrong. Right is the target and you don't hit the target all the time, but the target doesn't change. So you can make allowances for each other's faults. And yet at the same time, you're not compromising, you're not lowering the standard. Now the tough side of love, see that's the tender side. What about the tough side of love? Well, Ephesians 4.15, <laughs> but speaking the truth in love, sometimes you just got to tell somebody the truth and, and not put anything on it. No, no sweetener added, no sugar added. I mean, it's just the blatant truth. And it needs to hit them right between the eye. And that's the way they need to hear it. Speak the truth in love. It's still love, but it's the truth. And if the truth hurts, it's still love. You know, Mark 10, 21. Learn from the master himself. Then Jesus looking at him. This is the guy we know as the rich young ruler. How many of you ever heard of him before? 
he was a very rich guy, came to Jesus and, uh, uh, you know, uh, he said, uh, Lord, uh, uh, tell me what I need to do to get eternal life. And, and, and the uh, ultimate uh, uh, conclusion of the conversation, Jesus looking at him loved him. So this is love. Someone say, this is love. And he said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. I want you to know that in the context of exercising in tough love, sometimes you got to make a demand on somebody. Make a demand on somebody. Tell them what they're lacking. Wow. Tell them this is what you're lacking and this is what you can do to make up for what you're lacking. You can make a demand on somebody in love. You know, love makes corrections. We know this from the Lord himself. Hebrews 12, 6, that, uh, 12, 6 tells us that whom the Lord loves, he chastens. So we realize that that's so vital, it's so important that love can make corrections. Love speaks truth, love can make a demand, love can make corrections. And also, i got to tell you this, sometimes love's hard to do. Sometimes love's hard to do because of the way it affects the person who's doing the loving. You know, the Bible talks, uh, Paul described how he, uh, he, he was making his love known to the church of Corinth, but it was happening out of much affliction and anguish of heart and many tears. You see that, 2 Corinthians 2, 4. Imagine that this was love in action, but the one who was giving the love at the time he was imparting the love, at the time he was passing on the love and giving the love was experiencing much affliction, anguish of heart, and many tears. Sometimes it's hard to love. It's especially hard to love when love is what you're giving out but not getting back. Hey, somebody. We're talking about some real life stuff here. But I want to tell you that, that, that real love is what you continue to do even when not reciprocated. Even when it's not coming back, you keep on giving it. Even when it's not coming back the way you think it ought to be coming back, you keep on giving it. Second Corinthians uh, twelve fifteen. Notice the words of Paul. He said, I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. He said, despite the fact that I'm putting in more and seem to be getting less... I'm going to go ahead and press in to love even when not reciprocated. And why? Because the bottom line of whether you're giving tender love or tough love, the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 8, 1, that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Love will ultimately build somebody up. Love will take somebody that was torn down and build them up and restore them to a place that they need to be restored to in God. Hallelujah. How many of you have ever heard the term the labor of love? Well, we've talked about quality and quantity. Before that, we talked about the, the origin, the priority. We talked about the tenderness and the toughness. But the labor of love. Galatians 5.13 talks about it. When he says, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity to the, to the flesh, but through love serve one another. 
See, there, there, there's an aspect of, uh, of serving one another that comes with love. There, there, there's an aspect of something that is not just words and not just an I love you and not just a smile, but something that shows up in action. The scripture says in one place, 2 Corinthians 5.14, that the love of Christ compels us. You, you're compelled to do something. You're not allowed when the love of Christ is stirring and working in you to just be happy sitting still because the love of Christ compels you to action. The Bible talks about love and good works being combined together over in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. 1 John 3.18, whoa, I tell you, you, you can't miss this. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Someone say deed. See, you can go ahead and utter the words, I love you. But the greatest manifestation of love to somebody is not the word, it's the deed. You know, in Hebrews uh, 6.10, oh yeah, God is not unjust. To forget your work and labor of love. Sometimes love is a labor. Sometimes love is a labor because it's not convenient. Sometimes love is a labor because uh, uh, the the person that's on the, the, the receiving end of the love is not the most cooperative person in the world. Lord have mercy. Come on now. But God does not forget your labor of love. You know, one particular wording, uh, and you write down this reference in 2 Corinthians 8, 24, where Paul talked about the proof of your love. I love that term, the proof of your love. Because the proof of your love is your action. The proof of your love is not how nice you sound when you say, I love you. But the proof of your love is action. Because the proof of God's love toward us was his action. And the proof of our love for God and for others is our action. So there's the labor of love, the work side of love that is not just word. You don't just love in word, you love in deed. And then you've got what I call the ultimate reward of love. The ultimate reward of love. The reward you get on the day when you stand before him. And it's interesting how much the Bible says about treating others and not judging others in relation to us standing before the Lord. This is fascinating. But I believe as we take a look at this here in our closing moments today, that you are going to be absolutely thoroughly motivated in your heart. To dig into love more than ever before. Knowing that love is not just something that sets you up for a good road here on this earth. But love, walking in the love of God, actually sets you up for eternity. Philippians 4, 5 says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, wait, wait a minute. What does the Lord being at hand and me being gentle to people have to do with each other? It has a whole lot to do with each other. Would you like to learn some more? First Thessalonians 3 and 12 and 13 is a Paul, uh, prayer that Paul was praying for the church. He said, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. So that, 
So this is the reason why. This is the reason why that, that he's asking the Lord to make them to increase and abound in love. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That you walking in love sets you up to be established when you stand before God at the day of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this. Romans 14, verse 10. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. There's a little hint here that you won't be careful what you're doing with your brother. Because what you're doing with your brother may be the very kind of thing that you have done to you when you're standing in front of the Lord on one day. You know, Matthew 7, the words of Jesus, I mean, it's as simple as it is. You can't beat it. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I think we're starting to see how the way that we walk in love and treat others or the lack thereof is very, very important with what ultimately happens to us on the day when we stand before him. Listen to this. This is James 5, 9. Whew. I know I'm dropping a whole lot of word on you today, but hey, you know what? Ain't, ain't no reason for me to be cute when the Bible already says it. As good as it says it, I'll just tell you what the word said. I don't need to reinvent the wheel when the wheel's working just fine. So James 5, 9, do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So wait a minute, is there a connection between me grumbling against my brother and the judge standing at the door? Absolutely there's a connection. Because how I treat my brother is going to have an impact. I'm actually demonstrating right now in my life before the judge, how I want the judge to treat me by the way I'm treating others. Oh, come on, somebody, get it, get it, get it, get it. May these sayings sink deep down into your ears and in your heart. That the way you're treating your brothers and sisters here in this life, you are setting the pattern by which the judge judges you. First Peter 4, 7 to 9. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things. So he's talking about the, the end being at hand. So what can I do to be ready for the end being at hand? What can I do to be ready for this? Above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Well, if love's going to cover a multitude of sins, well, whose sins are going to get covered? Well, let me tell you this. You, by walking in love, can cover the sins of another. And by you doing that for someone else, woohoo! guess what? On the day you stand before him, you realize your sins got covered too. Hallelujah. <laughs> hey. 
So whose sins are, are getting covered with love? Well, praise the Lord. It can be the person you're loving, and it can be you too. James 2. This is serious. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Listen to this verse. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. So listen here. If you're going around showing no mercy, according to the word, you're going to get judgment without mercy. You sow the kind of seed, you get that kind of harvest. But if you, if you did sow mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. So when you're walking in love and sowing mercy and showing mercy to people, I want you to realize this, that mercy triumphs over judgment. That means you sowed the seeds of mercy, you reap the seeds of mercy, which means that even in the places where you should have been toast and you should have been judged, but you had mercy seeds in the ground, mercy came back to you on the day of judgment. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And the ultimate of that is 1 John 4.17 out of the contemporary English version of the Bible. It says, if we truly love others and live as Christ did in this world, we won't be worried about the day of judgment. Don't you love it? If we truly love others and live as Christ did in the world... We won't be worried about the day of judgment. Because you see how love originated. You see the origin of love. You see the, the priority of love, both the quality and the quantity of love. The tenderness and the toughness of love. The labor of love, but ultimately the ultimate outcome of love. That when you love, it sets you up real good for the day in which we will stand before him. Can I hear an amen today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we honor you. We thank you, Lord, for the word of God and for, for moving in this place today and moving on the hearts of people. And uh, anybody that's been stirred up today in their heart, I thank you, Lord, that, uh, uh, that they're responding to, to the call of God, responding to, to the work that, that you're doing here today. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for working on hearts right now.